there was a hiker who had uh, set out on an adventure up one of the world's highest peaks. And on his trip, he got lost. He lost his way. He was doing something that every hiker, every mountain climber knows that you never do, which is go out on your own. And he gets lost. And he's finally makes his way back to town and he's retelling this story at a local bar to all of his climber friends and he's talking about how desperate he was when he was lost. He says, at one point, I even got on my knees and I asked God to get me out of there. And his friend said, well, did God answer? And he goes, no, before God could answer, a guide came along and showed me the way out. Sometimes we are like that climber. We don't fully see All the things that God does for us, we fail to acknowledge God and we fail at gratitude. We're at the time of year, we're coming up at Thanksgiving and I'm sure if your family is anything like mine, someone's going to do that thing where you have to go around the table and everybody say the one thing that they're thankful for, for the most, right? And then uh, I can remember when I was in high school one time, I said my girlfriend's name and I don't remember the girlfriend anymore, but that year, that's what I was grateful for, that I had a girlfriend. All right. So we're going to go around, we're going to talk about all the things that we're grateful for, yet so often we miss the real real opportunity for gratitude that is right before us every single day. And instead of gratitude, we become grumblers. And we wake up early in the morning, and maybe like me this morning, your alarm clock goes off and you're so warm and toasty in your bed that you don't want to get out where it's a little bit more cool, you know? And so, you know, you're like, oh, I can't believe that alarm clock's going off. And yet you've, you fail to realize that, that man, it's, it's Monday. I've got a job to go to. Like, there are people who are waking up without anything to do today because they have no job to go to. Because maybe they can't even, they, they're not even physically able to work. And yet we get in our cars and we grumble about how awful our car is because it doesn't have this. It, it, it only has AM, FM. There's no, you know, it still has a, a cassette player. It doesn't even have a, a CD player. It has no satellite. And we realize that there are people who don't even have cars. Or we eat our cold cereal and we realize that there are people throughout the world who won't even eat for the rest of the week. Or we complain about how small our paycheck is, not even realizing that just in the sheer fact that we are Americans that we probably spend more on entertainment or our cable bill is more than what most people will make in an entire year. And we we allow these opportunities for gratitude to slip through our fingers. And this morning we're going to look at a passage, uh, and I think we're going to learn something about gratitude and about worship from one of Jesus' encounters with ten men. He encounters these ten men on his way. We're following the, the story of Luke. We pick up, we're kind of in the middle of, of the book of Luke. And one of the things that Luke has started doing is he's following Jesus' journey to Jerusalem. And so in chapter 17, we're going to read this, starting in verse 11. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. And what we're going to see is that there are ten men who encounter Jesus, but only one. Only one who responds with gratitude and with worship. And it's my desire for us this morning to understand that we are like that one man. That we need to be like that one man and that we need to be uh, the kind of people who respond in the same way with our worship. This is what happens. While traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. 
As he entered a village, ten men with serious skin disease met him. Some translations may say leprosy. This is a very serious deal that these men are afflicted with. It says, They stood at a distance and raised their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were healed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. And he fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus said, Were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. And actually, I think that's not the best translation. The literal translation for that last phrase is, Your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Ten men encounter Jesus. Yet only one returns to give glory to God. And this morning as we talk about gratitude and we talk about how do we get to a place of gratitude, how do we become like the one man who out of his gratitude falls face down at the feet of Jesus and worships? How do we get to that point to where on a Sunday morning when we're, we're cold, we don't want to get out of bed, we're tired, it's Thanksgiving week, we know people are going to be on vacation, that we can get up and be excited about gathering and worshiping. And we don't have to hold back, not caring about what someone may think about whether or not I raise my hands or whether I raise my voice, but I'm going to worship God because of what He's done in my life. How do we get there? How do we get to that point? I think the first, the first key is this, that we must recognize, you must recognize that you are a leper. Unclean before God, and man. You are a leper. Not physically, but spiritually. And here's the thing about leprosy. Uh, the, the word that's used for skin disease, leprosy of this time, it, it would make someone ceremonial, ceremonially, that's easy for me to say, ceremonially, I can't get that word out this morning, rubber baby buggy bumpers. They couldn't go and worship because they were unclean, right? We'll say it that way. So they were ceremonially unclean. They were defiled. They weren't able to go and worship. They weren't able to be around other people. And once they were clean, they would have to go through this extensive ritual in front of the priest and offer sacrifices and all these things just so they could be re- reinstated into the community and be allowed to worship with God's people again. And uh, the, the closest thing that we have or that we can think of today, what most of us would think of of leprosy, is called Hansen's disease. We have a few pictures here. I tried not to find the worst ones. But the way Hansen's disease would develop at this time is that normally it starts with some discoloration of the skin, something a little bit scaly. A a few boils would raise up on the skin. It would begin to work its way from the outside in through the body. And it would begin to attack the vocal cords. And it would begin to cause the eyes to be starey, to where they, they would just kind of glass over. And then eventually what happens is the tendons in the hands start to shrink up and in the toes they start to shrink up and the the fingers and toes literally begin to just rot off until you're left with nothing but these nubs. And sometimes entire hands, entire feet would fall off, noses would fall off, ears would fall off. These men were a sight to behold. And they're coming to Jesus and they're crying out to Him, the, the average course for this type of disease, it would take about nine years for it to fully run its course before someone would eventually, uh, over this time, they would begin to deteriorate mentally. 
and then eventually they would die. Some cases lasted as long as 30 years. 30 years of going through the process of your physical and mental body decaying. And that's what these men were going through. We read that, that the one man who turns around was a Samaritan. Uh, if you know anything about the Gospel of Luke, you know that Luke puts a lot of emphasis on Jesus' rejection by the Jewish people, the very people that should have known better, the ones who had the Word of God, who should have understood and recognized that this is the Messiah, are the very ones who, who rejected Him. And Luke tells us that this one man is a Samaritan. The assumption is that the other nine were Jewish men. And if you remember history or you know a little bit about this, the, the Samaritans were viewed as half-breeds by the Jewish people. They would never associate with each other. Remember Jesus and the woman at the well, and she says, how is it that you, a Jewish man, are speaking to me, a Samaritan woman? Jews and Samaritans don't have anything to do with each other. They won't even look at each other when we pass each other on the road. That's why the story of the Good Samaritan is such a big deal. Yet here we find that misery loves company. Because these Jewish men, these nine Jewish men, were so put out of their fellowship, of their families. They weren't allowed to even associate with their own families. That they come and and now these normal barriers that would be there are broken down. Because these men have no one else. They've been rejected by everyone. They are physically unclean. They are ceremonially unclean. They have to wear torn clothes. They're not allowed to keep their head covered. They ha- wherever they go, if they ever come close to a town, they have to cover their mouth and yell, Unclean! Unclean! And the reality is that every single one of us is just as unclean as those lepers. Not physically but spiritually. Jeremiah 17.9 tells us that our hearts are deceitful and, and our souls are incurable. Who can understand it? Hearts are more deceitful than anything else and incurable. Some translations say desperately sick. Who can understand it? And here's, here's the biggest thing is that we have got to recognize that we are these lepers, that we are unclean. And there's a lie out there in our society that says people are basically good. People are basically good. And here's the problem with that is that if you're basically good, then why in the world do you need a Savior? Why in the world would you need someone like Jesus? And the problem is that we start comparing ourselves to to each other. And you can imagine the lepers saying, well, you know, I haven't lost any fingers or toes yet. I'm not really that bad. I'm not as bad as this guy over here. Yet you still, these men recognize their need to be healed. And we too have to recognize that while I may not be as bad as this person over here, it's still bad. It's still bad and eventually it's going to kill me unless something happens. Unless something changes and I get healed that there is a problem. We have a sin problem. Every single one of us has a sin problem that makes us sick before God and before man. And, and we know that our sin, it doesn't just affect our relationship with God. That it has very real consequences and has very real effect on our relationship with people. And it's not until we recognize that we have a major problem that we can do the second thing, which is we need to do what the lepers did which is call out to Jesus for mercy. 
call out to Jesus for mercy. And you, you can't do that until you recognize your own need for a Savior. Because if your mindset is, well, I'm not really that sick, then you're not going to go to the doctor. If you think spiritually, I'm not that bad, why would you call out to a Savior? Look at verse 13. Knowing what we know about leprosy, it says, voice 13, they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now these men have been put outside. We don't know how long they've been affected. We don't know how bad it is, but it's bad enough that they're living together. They're breaking social barriers and they're living together. That these men have been affected, not just on the outside, but it's, it's moving through their body. So you can imagine how haunting it was for the disciples to hear these ten men, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. how awful that must have sounded and it must have sent shivers down their spine as they heard these men as best they could call out to Jesus. They call out to him in their desperation, in their desire to be healed. They call out for mercy and they use this term master and I love this, that this term master is used only in Luke and this is the only time that Luke uses these words and it's not used by the disciples. Every other time Luke uses the word master to talk about Jesus, it's the disciples who are calling him master. Yet these men recognize that there is something about Jesus. Somehow they've heard about the other miracles that Jesus has done, and they recognize that this man is the Son of God who can help us. He is the only one who has authority and the power to heal us. And so they call out to him as master. And they call out for mercy And mercy and grace are very closely related, and I I always like to explain a little bit of the difference. Grace is something when you get something that you don't deserve, right? Grace is when you receive something that you don't deserve. Mercy is when you don't receive what you do deserve. And these men are are calling out, and they're saying, uh, we understand that, that because we are sinful, we probably deserve whatever... Uh, sin, whatever sickness that we have, because that was the mindset in those days, is that if you had leprosy, you had some sin in your life. And so they, they recognized, hey, I'm sinful, and I probably did something to deserve this, but have mercy on me. Have mercy on me and take this away. Take it away from me, Lord. And so they call out to him in mercy, and they see that, that they desire to be healed. And I love uh, Romans 10. It says that God is one who is abounding in riches for all, for all who call upon him, for whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That God is abounding in mercy. I also think about Moses. Chapter 34 of Exodus, you don't have to turn there. You can if you want to, but chapter 34 of Exodus, Moses is, is there and he asks to see God. And God says, Moses, you can't look at me. If you were to look at my face, you would die because I am so holy and so righteous as God and you are a sinful man that if you were to look at me, you would just melt. Like think Raiders of the Lost Ark. Like that's gonna happen to you. He didn't know what Raiders of the Lost Ark was because he was kind of in the process of building the ark, but that's a different story. Uh, And this is what happened. God says, I'll tell you what. I'll let you see my back. And if you'll go to this spot in the rock, I'll cover you with my hand. And after I've passed by, I'll let you see my backside. I'll let you look at my back. Because if you look at my face, you'll pass away. And as God passes by, this is what he says. 
It says Yahweh, the personal name of God. Yahweh is compassionate and a gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth, maintaining faithful love to a thousand generations, forgiving wrongdoing, rebellion, and sin. But he will not leave the guilty unpunished, bringing the consequence of the father's wrongdoing on the children and the grandchildren to the third and fourth generation. And so what we see here is that God is a perfectly holy and righteous God who cannot allow sin to go unpunished. But his leading attribute, his leading attribute is his mercy and his grace and his willingness to forgive our sin. If we will simply call out to his son, Jesus Christ, and rely on him, he is full of mercy. And so these lepers call out. They call out to Jesus And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Go show yourself to the priest. And now these men are faced with a decision. They're faced with a decision. And that's the third key to finding gratitude that leads to worship. And that is that we must respond as the lepers lepers did. In obedient faith. In obedient faith. Verse 14, Jesus tells them, he says, when he saw them, he told them, go show yourselves to the priest. And while they were going, they were healed. Now, this is a big deal because in chapter 5 of of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus has already healed another man with leprosy, and he did it by touching them. He touches the man, and the man is healed immediately. And then, to be restored into the community, they would have to go and present themselves to the priest, go through all this ritual washing and sacrifices, and then they could rejoin the community. But Jesus tells these men from a distance. He says, go now and show yourself to the priest. No healing had taken place yet. And these men are faced with a decision. And you can imagine the conversation among those lepers. I don't know about you, but I can imagine one of them saying, I don't know, man, it really hurts to walk on these calloused and bruised and sore feet. My toes have been falling off for the last couple of years. I don't know that I can make it that far. It hurts. And then one of them says, yeah, but, but Jesus has said we need to go. We got to take the step. And then another one says, yeah, but what if we get there? What if we show up in Jerusalem, we show ourselves to the priest, and we're not healed? Look at us. We still have these scales. We still have these boils. Things are still falling off of us. Yeah, but this is our only hope. This is our only chance. We've got, guys, we've got to do this. I don't know if that conversation took place or not. In my mind, I I kind kind of imagine that it had to take place at some point. That they're questioning this deal and this isn't the way he worked before. Before Jesus just put his hand on the guy and healed him. Why doesn't he do that now? Guys, we we just got to take this step of faith and follow what Jesus commands. And so they take off. The ten of them together, they begin walking and it says on their way they were healed. And I don't know how it happened. I don't know if they, maybe they're just walking along and all of a sudden they realize that they don't hurt anymore. And they start checking themselves out. And fingers that have been gone have fallen off and years ago were missing, are now completely restored. Their open wounds are no longer weeping. They're now healed. Their voices are restored. And I don't know if maybe one of them happened to look at the other one and said, hey, hey, you've been healed. And then he starts looking at himself without a mirror and he realizes that he's been healed. But somewhere along the way, because of their faith, they were healed. And in some sense, all ten of these lepers demonstrate for us what it takes to be forgiven. 
to be spiritually cleansed the same way that they were physically cleansed. And that we must respond in obedient faith. We must respond in obedient faith when we recognize that we are unclean before God and man because of our sin. We recognize that we are in need of a Savior and that our only hope is to call out to God in His mercy, in the name of Jesus Christ. The third step is that that we must respond in obedient faith. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only one and only Son that whoever believes in Him, whoever has faith in Him, whoever trusts in Him, will not perish but will inherit eternal life. That's it. Here's the thing. The lepers didn't come and say, Hey, Jesus is coming. We better go clean ourselves up and try to make ourselves look good before we come to Jesus. They came to Jesus just as they were just as tainted and nasty and filthy as they were, they came to Jesus and He heals them, completely restores them because of their faith. And in the same way, God doesn't ask us to change our lives, to turn our lives around, to stop doing this or stop doing that before we come to Him and put our trust in Him. We come to Him just the way we are. And it's through faith, not our good works, not our attendance at church, not the amount of money that we give to charity or or the good things that we do. It's our faith that heals us and that saves us. And I love, I love this last part. Jesus tells the one man, the one man at the end who comes back. And I think this is the one man who understood that Jesus had more to offer than just a physical healing. Jesus had way more to offer than than just what was on the outside is the one Samaritan who comes back and worships Jesus. And he understands that he needs more than just to be physically healed. He needs a spiritual healing. And Jesus says to this man, your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. And then we read about this man's response. Sadly, we see that the other nine who'd been healed from serious illness fell short of the best blessing that God has, which was the spiritual healing that's offered. They settled for the temporal blessing. We must not be satisfied with temporal blessing. We need to continue on and recognize that God has more. We need to react the way the one leper did, which is to glorify God at the feet of Jesus with thankful hearts. We need to glorify God at the feet of Jesus with thankful hearts. Let's look at verses 15 through 19. It says, But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned, and with a loud voice, remember, he didn't have this loud voice before. He called out the best he could in a raspy, rotted vocal cord voice, sounding like Smeagol from uh, Lord of the Rings. Precious Jesus. Jesus. And now it says, with a loud voice, With a loud voice, he returns and he gives glory to God. And he falls face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus said, We're not ten cleansed, where are the nine? Didn't any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith has healed you. Your faith has saved you. Now it's interesting that Luke uses this word foreigner. It's the only place in the New Testament that this word is used. And it's a very unique word. If you know anything about the Old Testament and the way that the temple was set up, you know that there was one point 
inside the temple that no one who, if you were not Jewish, you were not allowed to go past that point. It was a dividing wall. And outside that dividing wall, it says any foreigner who crosses this point, his death is his responsibility. Meaning that if you cross this point as a foreigner, if you are not Jewish, you are going to die. You are going to be killed. And Jesus uses that same word, foreigner, that appears on that sign in the temple. It's interesting that Paul also talks about how Jesus is the one who has broken down the dividing wall. And that in Christ, we are all free to come and be cleansed in the blood of his sacrifice. And so we see that that Jesus is saying, look, this man gets it. This man gets it. We understand that, that this man's praise was heartfelt. He falls and he glorifies God with a loud voice. And I just love that. You can imagine. He doesn't care what anybody else around him thinks. He is probably shouting at the top of his newly restored vocal cords. Glory to God! Glory to God! Praise Jesus! Praise Jesus! And he doesn't care if people think he's crazy. Because he knows that he has been fully restored, fully healed, and he is going to worship the one who has healed him. He recognizes that he is in the presence of God's one and only son. And nothing is going to hold him back. And he falls on his face. He doesn't care that it's an embarrassment to put your face down in the dirt, to be at someone's feet. He doesn't care that it's a sign of humility. All he knows is that he has been healed. He knows the one who's healed him. And he knows that he deserves his worship. And so he doesn't hold back. He begins to worship him. Twice it's mentioned that he gives glory to God. He glorifies God. To glorify God means that we extol his attributes and his actions. We exalt him and we let others know how great he is. Let me ask you, does that, char- does that description fit your life? Does your life glorify God? Are you willing, at the top of your lungs, to call out and glorify God for what He has done in your life, or at the very least, to sit down over a cup of coffee with someone who doesn't know Christ and tell them what He has done in your life? That is gratitude. That is gratitude. Um, Famous preacher Charles Haddon Spurgeon uh, says this. He says, Ten men prayed, but only one praised. He says there are far more who are prone to pray in a time of need than those who who will praise God when he meets that need. Many of us pray and we ask God to meet our needs all the time and he meets our needs. But how often do we turn around and praise God as those needs have been met? Oswald Chambers says this. He says there is great difficulty spiritually. Uh, The great difficulty spiritually is to concentrate on God And it is his blessings that make it difficult. Troubles nearly always make us look to God. His blessings are apt to make us look elsewhere. How true is that? That so often when God blesses us, we begin to think how great we are. And that we must have done something to earn it or to deserve it. And we fail to recognize, but here this man recognizes fully that God has done something great in his life and he falls at the feet of Jesus. He falls at the feet of Jesus. This man at the position 
on his face at the feet of Jesus shows us our proper attitude of humility that we should have that should characterize those who've been healed by Jesus Christ. That we ought to fall at his feet. This is where we ought to live. This is where we ought to live. In humility at the feet of Jesus glorifying God. Giving thanks, giving gratitude, and worshiping. Worshiping like this. I love uh, the psalmist, Psalm 51. If you know about this psalm, this is after David has committed adultery with Bathsheba. And he's been caught in his sin. And he knows it, but he also recognizes that God is a gracious God and will forgive him. And he says this, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. You don't want sacrifice or I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offerings. The sacrifice pleasing to God is a broken spirit. God, you will not despise a broken and humble heart. David says, look, God, I know that your law demands that I go and make sacrifice for my sin, but I know your heart. Your heart is not just that I go through some ceremony. You want me to be humble before you and recognize your forgiveness and mercy towards me. And that's what this leper did. You see, the other nine, they probably went and they went through all the ceremony and they went through all the sacrifices because that's what the law commands. But this man understood that there was something more. That what really needed to happen was he just needed to go and pour out his gratefulness before Jesus Christ and say, thank you. Thank you for healing me and recognize that there is something more. Hebrews 13, we were in this passage last week, but it says this, Therefore, through him, let us continually offer up to God a sacrifice of praise. That is, the fruit of our lips would confess his name. Don't neglect to do what is good and to share, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. You want to know how to show your gratitude? You want to know how to show your gratitude for what God has done in your life? Let his praises be on your lips. Whether it's here on a Sunday morning or in the office on a Monday morning. Let his praises be on your lips and share what God has done for you. What better way is there to demonstrate your gratitude? This morning, I want to challenge us. The worship team is going to come back out. And we're actually going to sing a song Um, that Stephen wrote, and he's going to introduce it here in just a little bit. We've been singing it for the last few weeks. Uh, And it's funny because this summer I put together a reading plan for our church. And Psalm 34 is what we're going to read tomorrow. And this song that Stephen has written is taken directly from Psalm 34. So if you want to read the words and you can't see the screen, just open up to Psalm 34. The words are right there. And this is a psalm of praise. And it's my hope this morning that uh, as the worship team gets set up, I'd love for us to just spend some time, uh, and I know we said this is cheesy earlier and it's going to happen at your Thanksgiving tables, but just call out something that you're grateful for with a loud voice, right? Not like the lepers before they were healed, but like in a real voice, something that you're thankful for, and I'll go ahead and take Jesus so we can get that one off the table, right? That one's off the table, God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, all those are are off. Uh, So let me just say, I'm thankful that God woke me up this morning and put breath in my lungs. I am thankful for my wife and my children. Somebody else, what are you thankful for? Just call it out. A simple life. Awesome. What else? God's mercy. What else are you thankful for? His provision. Our community. What else? Your job. 
What else? Come on. Family. Awesome. Friends. Fellowship. No school this week. Parents, that's probably not yours. Somebody else. Come on. Let's go. Stand up. Come on. Call something out. As they start to play, just call out what you're grateful for with a loud voice. If you can't think of something to be grateful for, maybe that says more about our own heart attitude. Stand up. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Let's worship together. Let's worship God and call out with a loud voice and sing about how great He is. This song is...